Hey everybody, welcome back to the Gridiron Graduates. Hope you had a great weekend. Glad to have you back. Listen to us. I'm your boy Bill Rossetti. And with me as always is my good buddy Ian Wharton. Ian, what's going on, man? Welcome back. Thanks. Um doing good. Just uh feeling pretty good after getting my wisdom teeth out and just uh like I told like I said before the show, just getting ready for a move to the East Coast. So you know, to getting ready for that football season. It's getting close. 50 days today. Can you believe it? Just 50 days. Can't come soon enough. Oh, don't I know when training camp starts this weekend. Oh, I could feel it. It's great. So, just going to pick up where we left off last week. Just going to jump right back on our division previews. Uh, apologies for last week if it ran a little too long, but, you know, when you start rambling about different stuff in the world of football, you lose track of time, but going to jump right into this week. We're going to talk about the South Divisions, and we're going to start in the NFC this time, and we're going to start with the team that had the number one overall pick in 2014, that being the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and obviously that number one pick was Jameis Winston, so we in our year one with him, we in our year two with Lovey Smith, and definitely a team... Uh, definitely a team that should be interesting to watch after they basically face-planted uh, after their shopping spree last year, you know, and they brought in guys like uh, Michael Johnson and uh, Anthony Collins, and as we know, that did not pay off at all, just a complete flop, and that's one of the reasons the Bucks ended up 2-14. and 14. And why they had the number one pick, but they're they're definitely a team that looks like they can make a little bit of a noise this season, especially in a division that really didn't improve all that much from last year. And as we know, the NFC South was easily the worst division in which seven wins took the division. So, what's your take on Tampa Bay this year, Ian? Yeah, they're they're a really interesting team because offensively, the addition of Jameis Winston. And those type and those playmakers that they have, it could be a really fun offense to watch. Uh, yeah, I was checking Tampa, Tampa Bay out a couple nights ago um, when I was watching some cornerbacks, but you know I was still watching some run plays. And Bobby Rainey still looked pretty good at, at times last season. And you add a healthy Doug Martin, Mike James, Charles Sims. I mean, this is a really talented offense. The question is, do they have anything? on the offensive line that can be consistent. Um, Evan Dietrich Smith, Logan Mankins, I think those two are good pieces uh, on the interior offensive line. I'm a huge Ali Marpet fan at right guard. He was my number one guard coming out in this draft. However, you know, he's still a rookie coming from Division Three football, and the two tackle spots are somewhat of question marks. Donovan Smith, honestly, I thought he was a guard in the NFL, projecting to the NFL. He's not very, not overly athletic in terms of how he plays. He's just kind of lumbering, doesn't use his hands well. So I feel bad for Winston because he's going to be on the move a lot, I think, with Smith at left tackle. Now, like I said, he has great weapons. You know, Austin Safarian Jenkins even at tight end, Brandon Myers at tight end, Tim Wright, they, they reacquired him. So... You know, this is a team that, that they're going to be able to get move the ball around. 
and it's going to be fun to watch Winston grow with this young roster. I just hope he's not scarred from all the hits that he may take from ed- opposing edge rushers. Um, defensively, I'm really worried about this team. Uh, they have a playmaker on each level of the defense. So they've got Gerald McCoy, obviously, at defensive tackle. Um, Levante David at linebacker. Alteron Werner and Jonathan Banks at cornerback. Those are all really good players. But McCoy has had trouble staying healthy over the last few years. And if he's not healthy, this team is going to be in for some trouble. Um, I like the Henry Melton acquisition over the offseason. I think he can be a nice uh, secondary interior rusher. But ultimately, I don't see who's going to create any edge pressure for them. Uh, George Johnson, Jack Smith, uh, Larry English. I mean, those aren't very promising names. And the resumes are even less impressive. So, you know, this is a team, I think, honestly, I think they're they're destined to head back into the top 10 for 2016 draft. And the long-term outlook may be a little bit brighter, but I'm, I'm just, I wasn't a fan of what Lovey Smith did last year in terms of coaching. I'm not a fan of what he did the last two off seasons in general. Um, Obviously, he may have hit gold with Mike Evans and Jameis Winston, but there just leaves to be a lot to be desired um, from the last two draft classes in terms of immediate impact guys. Uh, Like I said, Marpet is another guy I really like, but, I mean, if you have three good players out of two drafts, that's not very effective drafting. Yeah, and clearly the problem, even going into last year, was when Levy Smith came on as coach and they went after um drawing a blank on his name uh Josh McCown, sorry. Went after Josh McCown the free agency got him and basically handed him the starting job. I thought that was a big mistake. I thought there should have been at least some sort of competition between him and Mike Glennon. Now I I was okay with Mike Glennon. I I didn't think he was a terrible quarterback. I just thought he should have got more of a fair shot to be the starter. You know, that little bit that we saw of him in Chicago was, you know, more the exception of what he was than the rule. You know, because when he came down to Tampa Bay and he was handed the gig, it's like, well, okay, great, you're giving him all this money, but Mark Tressman ain't coming with him. Right. You know. So that right there was problem number one. And you mentioned the pass rush, and you're, you're absolutely right. When an interior defensive lineman, and I love Gerald McCoy. Obviously, he's one of the top D tackles and obviously can bring the interior rush and put up sacks. But when an interior defensive lineman is leading your team in sacks, especially in a 4-3, you have problems. Yeah. You know, eight and a, first of all, eight and a half sacks leading your team is bad enough. And, again, second point is the fact that it was a defensive tackle. And, again, you mentioned some of the names. Jacquees Smith, you know, there's not much to really be excited about as far as pass rush goes. So this is an offense that might put up some points, but it's going to be countered by the fact that their defense might give up some points, especially when you look at this division and – you know, we obviously know there's a lot of high-powered offense in this division. Matt Ryan, Drew Brees, and Cam Newton. 
So in that sense, this that's where this team might struggle, but the offense is still going to be pretty decent to at least keep them in, in some of these games. And that's what this team was last year. They were definitely competitive in a lot of these games. Out, you know, even last Sunday when NFL Network was replaying the uh, Buccaneers Saints game from Week 17, I'm thinking to myself, "Wow, I almost forgot how close this team was to not even having the number one pick in this draft." Because this team was leading at halftime against the Saints. If if they don't blow that lead, we're sitting here talking about Tennessee having right. Jameis Winston and probably Mariota to Tampa Bay. So it's not like they were. Um, really bad team they were in some games they just had a lot of bad luck and you know offensive line was one of the key reasons because you know again Collins was terrible um, it, it was pretty much a who's not who of you know guys that were in the offensive line and then they really you know you can't you can't bug them too much as far as uh, at least the offensive coaching, because they didn't really have an offensive coordinator. You know, Jeff yeah. Tedford had the health issues at the beginning of the season and never really recovered. Now he's back in the college ranks. Um, it was such a weird situation. It, it really was. You know, and now, now they have Dirk Cutter. You know, great offensive coordinator in Atlanta. Could really help Jameis Winston. And again, we talked about the wide receivers. You know, it, it always helps when you have two six foot five behemoths to throw to. And right. I'm really going to be interested to see how the offense looks with Jackson and Evans pretty much switching positions. Like Evans is going to be more of the X this year. Jackson is going to be more of the Z in the slot. And e Evans at X, I think, is going to be really exciting to watch. If if his numbers were that good last year as a Z. He could be really good as an X. Now, obviously, he's going to draw a lot more number one receive or number one corners, but he has the playmaking ability to beat some of those coverages. So that's a team. That, that's a spot where I'm excited to really watch where this team goes. What's your uh, what's your win total on this team? Uh, let's see. They won two games last year, and they. Definitely could have won more. I'll say, because you're obviously going to have some growing pains with Winston as a rookie, and the interceptions are definitely going to be there. I'll go ahead and say five and eleven. You know, I think they'll make a little bit of a jump, but again, we talked about the defense, and it's probably going to hurt them in the division. They also play the NFC East. So you're going to have a lot of high-powered offenses from there as well. You know, when you're talking about the Eagles, the Giants, the Cowboys. So the schedule isn't very favorable for a team like Tampa Bay and especially a rookie like Jameis Winston. I will say this, though. I'm very interested. I'm looking forward to week one when Winston faces Mariota in Tampa Bay. I, I was pretty pretty happy when i saw the schedule makers did that yeah that's going to be a great matchup i mean even just from obviously like you said just from the standpoint of the two rookie quarterbacks but even just for these two teams i mean these are two second year coaches uh you know ken wisenhunt and lovey smith that both really 
really need to turn things around quickly. Especially uh, Wizen Hunt. Yeah, Wizen Hunt's on a, I believe, three and twenty-five. Yeah, it's not good. <laughs> it is. It is tough times to be a Wizen Hunt, and uh, you know, I think that that is a game where it's going to begin the discussion, and rightfully so, about these two quarterbacks mm-hmm. on their career. You know, going against each other. I mean, I'm just, I'm very excited to see it. I think we're going to see two very different offenses, and it's going to be a really exciting matchup of two teams that are trying to be, build something over the next couple of years. I think I'm also going to agree, though. Um, I'm going to have them at six and ten, I believe, on this okay. season, uh, right around that same range. It's going to be tough, like you said. They're facing veteran teams. Atlanta's veteran. New Orleans is veteran. Carolina has a good mix of veterans. It makes it tough for a young team like like Tampa Bay. So the next team, as I finished with Carolina, I think we're just going to slide right into Carolina. Uh, The Carolina Panthers added a couple of interesting draft picks this year. Uh, Fairly quiet free agency. They did lose Greg Hardy at defensive end. Um, That was a decision... um, you know, obviously further, more to do, I should say, with off-the-field issues than on-the-field issues because Hardy was really a fantastic strong side defensive end uh, for the team. And so, you know, he departs. That's an obvious hole that a guy like Coney Ely in his second year is going to have to pick up the slack. But they added Shaq Thompson first round, Devin Funches second round. I think those two were really interesting uh, pickups. Shaq, because they just made possibly the best linebacker unit in the league even better. And I did a linebacker article a couple weeks or a week ago or so, and I had Carolina at number three in the league with their linebacker core. And honestly, I couldn't tell you why I couldn't put them number one. It was just that good of a competition between them, Baltimore, and Philadelphia for me. They all have great units at that linebacker position, and that it just it really starts there for their defense. You know, they've got great players like Charles Johnson and Star Lutalele, but for me, it's all about that linebacker core. They're really a defensive first team that still tries to run the ball a lot on offense, and I like that's why I like the addition of Funches because Calvin Benjamin's kind of a roller coaster experiment. And Funches is still fairly raw entering his first year. So it's going to be interesting to see how they can use those two twin tower type uh, playmakers on the outside, just towering over everybody with that those insane catch radiuses. I'm really excited to see this offense. I, I still think that, that the Panthers owe Newton a better offensive line. I'm really scared about Michael O'Hare at left tackle. Um, but ultimately, I think that this is a team – I don't think they make the playoffs, but I think that they're going to compete, and they're going to be a team that every every other team in the league, when they face the Panthers, they're going to be definitely scratching their heads because they're going to say, do I really want to be this physical this week against this team? Because the Panthers will hit you in the mouth whether you like it or not. Mm-hmm. Uh, the offensive line, I agree, is probably the biggest weakness of this team. Not just because of Ower at left tackle, all, all throughout the line. You know, right tackle is obviously a question mark too. 
you know, w will it be Mike Remmers getting the start, or will uh, Darrell Williams push push for that spot? So, you know, and, and with the receivers, it's really interesting how it's really going to be interesting to watch how two tall, raw receivers, like like you mentioned, who is you know, especially one who doesn't always fight for the ball at a high point at times how they're going to work together and help make this offense go. It, it's pretty amazing how how well Benjamin actually did statistically. Although, I, it's funny, earlier on Twitter, I'm scrolling through and I see Matt Harmon and Sigmund Bloom talking a little bit about um, a little bit about the Panthers and Kelvin Benjamin. And, you know, Harmon brought up a stat that I, I forget who made the table and I, I apologize, but he mentioned how, you know, I guess like this house that, uh, excuse me, how statistically the Panthers do, I guess when they're winning compared to, you know, Benjamin isn't exactly putting up the numbers. You know, I, yeah, I hope I that see, came out well. And yeah, you know, no, I had seen that. Yeah, so basically, um, how effect how well. He was producing when they were ahead and when they were trailing. Right, right. Yeah, it was really interesting. I did see that retweet as well. Yeah, that was very interesting. Uh, the differences for Benjamin. And they mentioned how I think four of his touchdowns came in garbage time. You know, so gr great for fantasy owners, but you know, who who cares when it comes to real football? Right. Um. The, the defense, though, is still outstanding. Still one of the tops in the NFL. I, I agree. The, this linebacking trio is, without a doubt, one of the best. You know, Thomas Davis, Sam, Luke Keekley in the middle, and, you know, Shaq Thompson, who is extremely versatile on both sides of the ball. We all know how well he played at linebacker. He played at safety at Washington. even played a little running back for the Huskies. So, th that – and – that's the type of player that's become really key in today's NFL. One of those versatile guys that you can move around and help create matchups. So for a low first-round pick, I, I thought this is really good for them. You know, he's, he's going to come in, fit well. Corner, secondary is still, and it, it feels like we repeat this every year, but secondary still a major question mark. For this defense, you know, can Benay Benwinker? I, I can never pronounce his name right. It's such a <laughs> Benwinkery or something like that. Yeah, I think that's about right. Uh, it's a tough one. You know, can he step up and produce? They did bring in Charles Tillman in free agency. You know, so maybe he takes down one of the starting spots, or at the very least, provides some veteran leadership to some of these young guys. Because. Uh, I, I even read an article on Sports Illustrated. You know, it's a nice way to kind of refresh what these teams have done this off season. There's certainly a lot of older starters on this team. Roman yeah. Harper's in his 30s. Thomas Davis is in his 30s. You know, and, and a couple others. So yeah. it's going to be interesting how I guess that age difference is going to mix together. Uh, and as far as the defensive line goes, you know, in particular the loss of Greg Hardy. If there's a silver lining to this, it's that Carolina has already had 15 games to see life without Greg Hardy. 
Yeah. You know. Unfortunately, I think, and I think the worrisome part is that Wes Horton wasn't particularly great, and Coney Ely didn't really play much last year. Yeah, it's almost going to be like a rotating force, it seems like, as to who's going to be opposite Charles Johnson. Yeah, you almost wonder if they missed an opportunity last year to really get Ely those snaps when they could have. You know, it's mm-hmm. they have you know Dwan Edwards can kick out a little bit, Mario Addison can play a little bit outside. It's just, I just don't see a bona fide starter out there right now. And I think that's a worry because Ely's really, he is a good, he, I think he'll be a nice fit at that strong side defensive end with his power. I just don't know about any pass rush that he's going to show because he wasn't really a great pass rusher in college either. So what do you think? How many wins for this team? What's the record going to be? I'm going to go with seven, seven wins. Yeah. I'm going to go one more. I'm, I'm, you know, this could be an eight. I'm thinking an eight and eight team. Yeah. Uh, Cause again, this defense is just too good that it's probably going to win them some games. So, and they, they won seven games last year, but I really don't feel like they improved all that much. You know, it's a, a little bit better, but not to the point where they're saying, Oh, this is, you know, Super Bowl contender. They're really going to jump up. Again, we don't know what to expect out of the receivers, particularly Funchess, and then there's not a whole lot after him. So I'm going to go ahead and say 8-8 eight and eight for the Carolina Panthers. So, moving on, let's talk Falcons, shall we? For sure. 6-10 uh, and ten last year, and another disappointing season for the Falcons. And now they begin life under new head coach Dan Quinn which means for the second time in a few years, a Seattle defensive coordinator moves up to a head coach. And this was a team that had almost a non-existent pass rush last season. Now they have a stud at defensive end in Vic Beasley. And I'm really excited to watch Beasley with with the Falcons, especially under a coach like Quinn. Offense, you can only hope that they get back get back in gear. You know, hopefully Julio Jones stays healthy. And, you know, Roddy White has played well, but he's getting up in age. You know, this is already, what, his 10th season, I think. Uh, but overall, I thought the Falcons had a pretty decent offseason, especially in the draft. I thought a lot of their players are are good players and can come in and contribute. You know, guys like Jalen Collins in the second, Tevin Coleman, Justin Hardy, and Grady Jarrett I thought was a straight steal. You know, I don't know what I don't know what happened or what team saw in Grady Jarrett, but for him to follow the fifth round I thought was tremendous value for the Falcons. So you could tell they're really trying to revamp this defense and you know, hopefully it improves for them. Hopefully the offensive line holds up. Jake Matthews improves in year two. So, you know, we'll see what happens. Yeah, going back to Jarrett, that is interesting. I remember during the draft that he and Michael Bennett were falling. Um, both two t- undersized um, three techniques, generally in a 4-3 front. But obviously the Falcons are going to be running, you know, a little bit more of a more of a 4-3 under, similar to what, the Seahawks run 
So, you know, they can use that that undersized type player. And to me, I just don't understand why why the NFL's gone that way. Um, maybe that's for another time, but you know, the undersized three techs, to me, you're you're talking about speed, you're talking about pass rush ability. That's a, that's a great trait. I mean, if you can rush the passer, you're going to survive in the NFL. And I think I, I'm with you on Grady Jarrett. I, I think a lot of draft Twitter was pretty high on him, and it was pretty shocking to f- find him fall that far. Overall, I think he really capped off an, an excellent draft for the Falcons. Um, the only one I would question is maybe Jalen Collins, but in the second round, that's really where you take a player like that. He's a developmental corner that maybe two years down the road you're looking to get major results from. Um, in the meantime, you know, if he provides anything before that, then, then that's just bonus. Uh, obviously, cornerbacks take a while to develop, so you just have to have a little bit of patience there. But, you know, this is a team I'm, I'm most excited about the head coaching change. I thought that Mike Smith was a really poor head coach. I, I really didn't care for him. He's just boring. Uh, I feel like he didn't maximize the talent that he had. Uh, I thought that his staff in general had just kind of grown bland, and they just needed a change of direction. But that being said, I, I think that the coaching staff will only bring him so far. As much as I love Vic Beasley, as much as I like the Justin Durant signing at linebacker, who could be a really nice uh, buy-low candidate for this team after injury last year, I'm just not sure that this team's ready this year to be that bona fide playoff you know, star team. Then again, it is a weak division. So I think that they're going to be in the thick of it. I think this might be a nine-win team led by the offense. I think they sneak into the playoffs uh, with that mark. I, I don't really see a team that might win a playoff game. But you never know if you have Matt Ryan at quarterback. I think he's a good quarterback um, that has – He's very divisive, which is interesting. Um, some people think he's elite. Some people think he's average, you know, and some people think he's just not good at all. So it's an interesting dynamic. I think he's a good quarterback, and I, I think this team has just enough to make the playoffs this year in a division that, that that's really a weak one overall. Uh, what was your win total on this team? I'm going to stick with nine wins myself. And I'm going to go a little bold here and say that these are your division champs. I, f- I feel like going out a, yeah. a little bit on a limb here, and I'm going to say the Falcons go 9-7 and seven and win the NFC South this season. Look, th- this division is, I don't know if you want to say famous or infamous, for having the worst-to-first champions. Now, obviously, Atlanta wasn't worst last year, but... Still a down season, and, you know, nine wins isn't out of the realm of possibility, you know, for for really as bad as that defense was. They did win six games. Right. So you're talking they only need to win three more uh, to get to a winning record. And they had a ton of injuries, too, there. Yeah. You know, and they brought them some good free agents, too, guys like Justin Durant, uh uh, among other guys, Adrian Claiborne, you know, so even though Brian Schofield is kind of an underrated linebacker, edge player, so it's not, it may not be too much to ask to see them jump from six to nine wins, and like we said, this is a pretty weak division, probably going to be the worst in the NFL again, and as we'll talk about in a little bit with the Saints, 
you know, are they going to have the defense to hold up? And where's their offense? You know, and I, I guess that's a nice transition right into the Saints. Let's talk about them now. You know, a team that really had almost no defense, but obviously the offense helped keep the ship afloat a little bit. Now that offense is practically gone. Jimmy Graham's gone. Kenny Stills is gone. You know, you're you're now asking a complement of Josh Hill and Ben Watson to basically fill in for what Jimmy Graham did. And obviously there's very few players that can do what what Jimmy Graham does. So you're obviously not going to match the production of Jimmy Graham. You can only hope that they can provide you something at the tight end position. Defensively, you know, Stephon Anthony, they drafted in the first round with, with the pick they got for Jimmy Graham. You know, so he might step in and be a, be a contributor in the middle of that defense. They traded for Danell Ellerby and the Kenny Stills trade. Uh, secondary is going to be interesting to watch. Kenny McCarr really struggled in his second year. I don't, I don't know what happened. He had an outstanding rookie season. Really dropped off his second year. Uh, and then their big money safety, Jairus Bird, got injured. You know, So we'll see how he recovers. Brought in Brandon Browner. So they're trying to remake this defense after they completely flopped last season. Yeah. That was one of the reasons they go 7-9. I, I don't know. And now you have the issue with Junior Gallette. You know, yeah. one of their top defensive players last year, but there hasn't really been much on him ever since that. Even after that video, has there? I mean, maybe I missed it, but there really has. But I guess you know, with this being such a dead period, rumors are going to swirl around, and people are going to say stuff and try to predict stuff. So I've just been surprised that there's been no no real feedback outside of like that one day. Where like this vi- supposed vid- video of him hitting a woman on the beach comes to light, and we really haven't heard anything about it. So, I mean, I'm with you on Galette. Like, he's a game changer. Like that, that could change the entire outlook of this defense. It's it's just very interesting to me that you know at a time where all this domestic violence is out there. Exactly. Yeah. You know, with with how much the NFL is trying it. to change their image on domestic violence, this story we haven't comes heard anything. up. And... Yeah. There's almost nothing, like you said, in the couple of weeks since the story broke. So he's probably going to stay on the team only because it would be a huge cap penalty if yeah. the Saints were to cut him. And they're already in cap hell the way it is. Yeah. So if they were to cut Gallette now, it would almost destroy them, especially coming up to a 2016 season in which Drew Brees has about a $27 million cap number. So in that sense, Galette probably stays on the team. I would I would think so too. Um, we'll obviously see how that plays out. And what's your win total on this team, by the way? What do you think they get to? Uh, I'll probably say about 8-8. Eight 8-8? And eight. Eight and eight. Um the offense is really going to be intriguing to watch because, again, the question, I think, becomes where does all the production come from? Right. You know, 
will will Brandon Cook step up? Since they're he he's probably going to be the de facto number one now, so he'll probably get force fed the ball a lot. You know, Mark Marcus Colston's obviously aging. He's he, he's still a serviceable player, but obviously not what he used to be. And, and Drew Brees, you know, it sucks to say this, but we do kind of have to start living. We do have to start realizing that we may be reaching the end of Drew Brees. Yeah. You know, he's he's still a, a good quarterback, but is he on that upper echelon of quarterbacks that he was, you know, two, three, four years ago when his team was a constant playoff contender and coming off a Super Bowl win? And like I mentioned before, the huge cap number next year. So the Saints team may have a decision to make by maybe not next offseason, but very soon. Um, they did also draft a quarterback in um, in uh, Garrett Grayson. Garrett Grayson. So could he be the heir apparent to Breeze? That that's going to be something to watch. Not not necessarily this year, obviously, but you know, one or two years down the road. Yeah, and, and and I'd brought this up. Yeah, I I'd brought this up. Um, kind of around the draft that I can't sit there and say that Drew Brees is no longer a good quarterback. I can't say he's not going to be a highly productive player, maybe maybe even a great, great quarterback still. But there were times last year where his arm just looked dead to me. And he missed throws. And people are going to point to the stats and say, well, it's going to percentage well, this and this and this. It's like, well, eh, it's not really the case. You have to look further than that. He missed a lot of throws that he normally would make. His arm just wasn't quite as sharp as it had been uh, in past years. And I think the issue is there is he's never been a guy with a huge arm anyway. He can make a lot of throws. However, he really wins with his mind, anticipation, pocket presence, extending the play, timing, that's where he's elite. Well, if he loses more arm strength, can he continue at that rate? I don't know. I don't know. And maybe maybe last year we're not going to see a major drop-off from last year to this year. If that's the case, then again, he's still, still a top-10 quarterback, which I think he will be. It's just things to consider. And I think, and like I was saying, back around the draft, I was saying this team should probably consider trading Drew Brees for a first-round pick if they can get one. And I still feel that way because obviously not now right before the season, but as far as the outlook of this team, I just don't really see where they're going. You know, yes, they took Andrews Pete in the first round, but he's a tackle only. And I'm not sure where they're going to play him in year one unless if they're going to move Zach Streif inside to left guard and then put Pete at either right tackle or kick Taron Armstead over to right tackle and put Pete at left tackle. And even then, I wasn't a huge fan of Pete, so honestly, I'm not too – I'm a little bullish on his future too. So, you know, I'm just a little worried about this team. We talked about with Carolina how it's a mix of veterans and young guys. New Orleans is really just old guys. I mean, I love Marcus Colston. He was actually the player that got me interested in scouting. I remember watching um, 
a bowl game, an all-star, an all-star bowl game uh, before the 2006 draft. And I remember watching Marcus Colston as a kid, and I was just like, holy smokes, this kid's really good. And then I watched the draft, and he was picked, you know, seventh round by the Saints, and I've just always loved him since, just because I felt like this kid from Hofstra became a really good receiver. So, you know, I love this guy, but he's really old. He's getting old now. You know, he's no longer the same guy. He's 32 years old, about to be uh, actually just turned 32 years old. Really a slot target and only that at this point uh, for the Saints. I'm just not sure. They're going to be doing a lot of dump-off passes to Mark Ingram and C.J. Spiller. I'm not sure horizontal is really the way that this team is going to be able to win a lot of games. Um, Defensively, like you talked about, there are a lot of issues there. The linebacker core is good if they have the whole unit. If Donnell Ellerby is healthy, we don't know if he is healthy. Stephon Anthony, is he going to be ready to play year one? David Hawthorne, he's a decent stopgap. Um, Anthony Spencer has in, has injury issues that he's got to kind of prove whether he's ready to go or not. That secondary is Jarris Bird back 100%. If he's not, all of a sudden, this defense is probably going to be as porous as it was last year. I, I'm with you. I think this is a close to 500 team. I think they're another. I think we see another seven and nine season from them. And it just ultimately, it's just too old. It's too old of a roster. I, I think they need to overhaul this roster with draft picks and, and really start a fire sale um, as soon as they can just to start recuperating those type of picks that they can rebuild with. Yeah, I'm just looking at the Saints roster quick, uh, specifically ages, and yeah. looking at some of the potential starters. And you know, Breeze 36, Ben Watson 34, Colston 32, Bunkley Evans 31 down the line, Streif 31, Browner 30, so there's a lot of aging players. And Browner's birthday's coming up too, so he's about to be 31. He'll be 31, so that's a lot, that's a good bit of your starting lineup. Yeah. 30 years or older. At key positions too. Exactly, yeah. Quarterback, tight end, corner, so... Young, it's a young man's game, and uh, I think I, they've, they've missed with so many picks recently that it's it's it may really come back to bite them again this year. And the salary cap really hasn't helped either. But I'm glad. Yeah. And before we move on to, to the AFC, I I'm glad you brought up uh, Andrews Pete. You know, that's probably going to be a an interesting camp battle to watch is where Pete plays if he plays year one. You know, does he beat out? Zach Streif for right tackle. Do they move Streif inside? I don't think they're going to move Armstead from left tackle. I don't think they should. Yeah, that'd be silly. Yeah, yeah I agree. You know, totally agree. He's, he's, just, he's a stud. Yeah, he's really turned into a a quality left tackle. You know, he's become more than just being the guy that had the four seven forty at the combine. Yeah, you know, he, he's really come to his own. So. He should he should stay there. So, you know where does where does Pete go? So, but and then you mentioned the running backs. Spiller will be f- fun to watch, though. I think I, I think you're f- yeah. finally going to see the breakout from Spiller. You know, I think people are going to be scared away from his numbers the last couple of years in Buffalo. But they also have to realize the offense Buffalo was running, the coach Spiller was playing for. Yeah. I mean, look, Doug Marone 
for God's sake, walks away from Buffalo and was like, oh, yeah, you know, I'm going to get a top job. And, you know, the reports were, oh, yeah, he's going to get hired immediately. You know, someone like the Jets are going to snap him up. And what happens? He's offensive line coach for the Jaguars. Yep. yep. Literally took $4 million to go be an offensive line yep. coach, which, hey, I mean, good for him. I guess he's getting yeah, exactly. paid. Yeah, that, that, the, but not yeah, the really nice good thing for him is he's getting paid from, by two teams. Yeah. It's not really a good look, though, for his future. No, not at all. You know, when you basically put put yourself on the line like that and completely flop, you know, thanks for playing. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, so I'm excited to see Spiller in this offense. It's almost going to be like the Darren Sproles role. But, you know, overall, this is still a team that's just going to stay the course, I think. It's just going to be kind of treading along. And, you know, it's going to take a while for them to get out, you know, especially the salary cap hell. So we'll, we'll see what happens. So with that, I think – that wraps up the NFC side for this week. I think it's time to move on to the AFC side. And we started today talking about the team that picked number one in the draft. Now we'll talk about the team that picked number two in the draft, Tennessee Titans. And we talked about Ken Wisenhunt earlier. Really, I think, a make-or-break season for Wisenhunt. You know, we'll start there. Tennessee had decent expectations in 2014. You know, they're coming off a 7-9 season. They had some decent decent players on the roster, but between bad luck, injuries, poor quarterback play, what have you, this team completely fell off the map. And like we mentioned before, if it wasn't for Tampa blowing a bunch of their games, Tennessee sit with the number one pick in the draft. As it turned out, they had the number two pick. And all the rumors all offseason leading up to the draft was that maybe they were going to acquire Phillip Rivers for that number two pick, which would have been quite interesting. I think Rivers in Tennessee would have been interesting to think about, you know, being reunited with Wisenhunt, who more or less revived his career two seasons ago in San Diego. Um, but now Wisenhunt's going to roll with Mariota and Obviously, the question looms large. Can Mariota transition, or how quickly can he transition from the simplified Oregon offense, which is shotgun about 99.9% of the time, to an NFL offense where he'll be in shotgun a a decent amount, but obviously far less than what you saw at Oregon. He's going to have to learn how to take snaps under center, learn how to take a huddle, Learn how to read a defense. Go through his progressions. How quickly can he do that? And unfortunately for him, he doesn't have a lot to work with around right now. Especially on the offensive line. This is a poor, poor offensive line with the retirement of Michael Rose. You know, you have Taylor Lewan, who was last year's first round pick. He, he's coming off an injury. Andy Levitri has underwhelmed at left guard, especially for the money they paid him. Uh, right tackle, we don't even know who's going to play right tackle right now. Really, the only stable player right now is Chance Warmack. And at right guard, you can't feel too good about that when you're 
when arguably your best offensive lineman right now is your right guard. Um, so that that's one of my biggest issues with Tennessee. And, and overall, I think this is one of the worst rosters in the NFL. I, I just don't see a whole lot to be really excited about. I think this is going to be a, another long year for Tennessee, and it, it's going to be a while, I think, until they get back into some relevancy. But, I mean, the the AFC, you know, we're not saying the AFC South is world beaters, but it did improve, and I would say all three teams probably run circles right now around the Titans. Yeah, it's it's hard not to have that uh, have that outlook out. It's funny, I was talking earlier today with um, Oscar Hazel, and we were going through the Miami Dolphins schedule on, on another podcast, and, and we talked about the Titans a little bit. And it's it's just, it's not a team that I think is terribly far off um, from being a good team, but they're just, they're, they're underperforming. And... They're underperforming at too many key spots. So Delaney Walker's fantastic. I think that he's one of the more underrated players in the NFL. Um, but outside of him on the offense, I like Bishop Sankey. I know that's not popular among, uh, you know, draft Twitter. Right. But I like him. He had more broken tackle, tackles last year than Jeremy Hill. And I think that this is a player that, coupled with David Cobb, I think they're going to be a nice read option uh, duo for Marcus Mariota in the backfield. Offensive line, I hate Jeremiah Patasi so much as a right tackle. And it's nothing against the kid, but to me, throughout the entire draft process, I never saw, excuse me, I never saw a game where I thought he would be a right tackle in the NFL. He was just an immediate right guard option. For me, so I, I just I really worry about the pass protection of this unit. Luan is a nice player. Um, Levitre has not been worth the huge contract he's been given. Chance Warmack has struggled in pass pro. I just I'm not sure how they're going to compensate for that unless if they always keep Anthony Fasano as a sixth blocker, um, which is which is viable. I mean that's what the Dolphins did when Ryan Tannehill was was a young quarterback. You know, they used the same player, Anthony Fasano, uh, to be that blocking tight end. And, and Marcus Mariota, I think, needs to be brought along sim- similarly. He needs to be protected in the pocket. Um, wide receivers are intriguing. I don't know if Justin Hunter ever plays another down for the Titans. Yeah, I'm glad you brought him up. I was just, but let me say, I'm sorry to interrupt you. I just no, you're good. Have to you're good. This, we have to bring this up. You know, the issue with Justin Hunter being arrested. He was probably on the roster bubble to begin with. This can't be a good look for him, can it? No. No. No, I'm not sure. Uh, I'm not sure he makes it through because we've heard hype for him throughout the off season, and usually that means that uh, the outlook is poor. Guilty. Yeah, because usually that's not a not a uh, positive. Is they're trying to get his confidence up, or they're trying to to uh to motivate him so I, I think it's i think that's a big concern but i don't think that's a big loss for them honestly he's he's not been a good player no, and not gonna be. 
I, th- I think that honestly, I think Trey McBride, their seventh round pick is a better receiver right now than Justin Hunter is. And Doriel Green Beckham, I think is a potential game changer, although I'm not sure he does much in year one. Um, Hakeem Nix, Harry Douglas, two very inconsistent playmakers. It's, it's an intriguing unit with a decent amount of upside. Um, especially with back Green Beckham. He's the big guy that, that really could set this unit to the next level. Um, it's just, it's not a promising offense in general. Even if the running game gets going, I mean, Kendall Wright's kind of miscast as a number one on this team. He's really a number three receiver, I think, on, on a good, good offense. Mm-hmm. Maybe number two. Um, they really need some, someone to step up. They need Knicks to, to revert back a few years to his New York Giants prime, or they need Doriel Green Beckham to just come in and dominate right away. Uh, to really be a stellar offense. Uh, I just want to talk quick about the defense, too. Their quote-unquote biggest free agent pickup uh, was Brian Arakpo, who has really struggled to stay healthy. If he stays healthy, can he provide any sort of pass rush help for the Titans, or is... I mean, because they have some decent players on defense. You know, Jarrell Jer- Casey, uh, obviously, is probably the one of the bigger names on this defense. Really has turned into a quality defensive lineman. Wesley Woodyard, I don't know what happened to him. He was so good in Denver, and for whatever reason, he just kind of fell off in Tennessee. Maybe he's not a good fit. I, I don't know what happened. And secondary, eh... You know, there's questions there too, but what's what's your take on what Brian Arakpo can possibly bring to this defense? If he's healthy, I think he could be a great addition. Obviously, that's an enormous if. You know, the Washington Redskins wouldn't have let him go if he was reliable. And that's the tough decision on a player like that because when he's healthy, he's, he's the type of talent that can create pressure. Okay, and there's a big difference there. There's a difference between guys that can create pressure and the guys who clean up pressure. So Derek Morgan is a clean-upper. Okay, he doesn't create very well. That's why he only gets about six sacks a season. He's just not he's not a dynamic rusher. But Brian Arakpo can be. He's got the talent to be more than that. The issue, just, just like I said, you, just, you don't know how many games he's going to play every year. So... I like this front seven. I love Jarrell Casey. Jarrell Casey's a top five defensive tackle in the NFL. Um, or even, I mean, he plays five tech and, and sometimes a three tech for Titans. So as like a defensive end, defensive tackle, I think he's phenomenal uh, as an interior lineman. Mm-hmm. I like their linebacker unit too. I like Wesley Woodyard. I like Avery Williamson. And I like the the combo of Morgan and Arakpo. But it's not. I don't think it's gonna be enough to overcome that secondary. You brought up that secondary, Denoris Searcy. I love him. I think he's a great, great pickup. Um, he's not a, not like an elite strong safety, but he was a big playmaker last year for the Bills. The problem is, is outside of him, Michael Griffin's only a decent safety. Jason McCourty, I'm not a fan of him at cornerback, and Parrish Cox had a very rough second half of the season last year. So. This, to me, is just a a very limited secondary, and it's hard to win a lot of games with a average 
to below average secondary. And if Arakpo goes down, it's only going to continue to be uh, gashed every single game. Mm-hmm. So ultimately, yeah, I mean, I know you were pretty down on their their win total. I'm going to go there as well. I'm going to say this is probably a top five pick again yeah. uh, next year. New new coaching staff, new potentially new ownership. Um, they have some good veterans. It's just like I said, there's just there's just too much underachieving. Jason McCourty's underachieved. Michael Griffin's underachieved. Um, Derek Morgan's so much underachieved, I think. Uh, Andrew, Andy Levitre is the huge underachiever, I think, on the offensive side. So right. uh, it would take it would take a great coaching job, I think, to get this team to be close to 500. And and honestly, I think they need to be that they need to be close to 500 to, to start retaining jobs. And, and that's got to be weird or however you want to feel to know that you you don't know whether or not the team is going to be sold. Yeah, you know, you have that's no a tough idea. place where the ownership is going to go. But I, I agree. If this team does as poor as I think they will, Ken's gone. Yeah. You know, you can't go from 7-9 and nine to 2-14 and 14 and right. feel good about your job. That, Like I said when we started this team, that that was the big problem. They they at least had a, something decent going after the 7-9 season. I mean, granted, that was under Mike Munchak, but still, you know, you figure bringing Ken Wisenhunt, who went to a Super Bowl, though some would argue he kind of rode the coattails of Kurt Warner that season. But in any event, I'll I'll say, I'm going to go ahead and say two wins again for the Titans. I I just can't feel too good about this team as a whole, even with a quarterback like Mariota, because... There's just too much around him that needs improving, and it's going to take a while for that improvement to to happen. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. I think I think they're in that three win range, which will be three to four wins, which won't be too good. So yeah. it'll be sorry, Titans. Sorry, sorry, Titans fans. It might be a long season, but just bear with it, and hopefully the. The brighter days are uh, beyond the horizon. <laughs> That's right. So uh, we'll move on. We'll talk about a team that only won three games last year, but it's still a team that I really want to believe in, and I'm hoping they start turning it around soon. That's the Jacksonville Jaguars. Mm. You know, I think this is a this is a roster that I'm I really like. And really hope they start to bring it around because I like Gus Bradley. I, I like what he's doing. I still think he's going in the right direction, but boy, in today's NFL, there's a lot of impatience. And if he doesn't start producing results soon, it's you have to start wondering, you know, how much longer does he have? How much longer can Shad Khan wait for this? project to develop um blake bortles obviously is at the top of that list as far as getting this team going they've the reports are that he's been working on his mechanics all season and that's all well and good but until we see him on the field in a game situation against live pass rush 
we don't know how improved his mechanics are. You can improve your mechanics all you want against air opponents, just throwing regular passes. It's when you're under pressure, when things break down, that's when we really see have the mechanics really changed. So, you know, hopefully we see that with Bortles. Hopefully he takes that next step up. And if he does, this could be a pretty good offense. They have some good young receivers, top of the list, Allen Robinson, of course. You know, Matt Harmon's boy, as he talked about a couple of weeks ago. Uh, great athlete, really love him. And I, I'll admit I'm a little biased being a Penn State guy. I, I love seeing Allen Robinson succeed, but... Obviously, it's not just Penn Staters that love Allen Robinson. I'm sure you feel the same way. You know, I don't. I don't know how you feel about him, but you know, he's a he's definitely a good athlete and a, should be the guy to lead this team. Um, Julius Thomas, of course, was the big free agent pickup at tight end. Really nice for a guy like Bortles, you know, second year and. Uh, as we know, tight end is a young quarterback's best friend now. Can he, you know, what what kind of player is he going to be going from a quarterback like Peyton Manning in an offense like Denver's to an offense like Jacksonville's with Blake Bortles? That's going to be interesting to see. But, you know, for $45 million, I, I think, or whatever the contract was, they're going to get him involved. Uh, offensive line... You can only hope Luke Jokel takes that takes that next step forward. He hasn't he hasn't exactly played all that well in his first two years. He, he's battled injuries over the last two years, but you know, hopefully here in year three he can finally step up, especially at left tackle. Um, Zane Beatles is decent at guard, although AJ Can I thought was a really good, uh, real good pick in the draft. You know, one of the underrated interior guards. May, may eventually supplant Beatles as a starter at some point this season, so that'll be something to watch. Uh, they picked up Stefan Wisniewski in free agency. You know, injuries were the main reason why Wisniewski had to wait a while before his contract got signed, but he was still a good player, a good center for Oakland, so I thought that was a nice pickup for uh, for Jacksonville. Brandon Linder played well as a, as a rookie, and then right tackle is a bit of a question mark. You know, we'll see how Parnell does or Pasta, whoever ends up being that right tackle. Uh, defense, Sanderic Marks. We talked about Jarrell Casey as a top defensive tackle. Sanderic Marks has turned into a real good defensive tackle as well. Uh, Jared Odrick was a nice pickup in free agency. Hopefully add a little bit of pass rush there. Real unfortunate that they lost Dante Fowler because I really loved the pick of Fowler to the Jaguars, I thought. He fit exactly what uh, Jacksonville wanted to do with the Leo position. But unfortunately, freak injury first day of camp. Now he's out for the year, so you're going to have to rely on Clemens again. And you got Alualu re-signed at the other end. Uh, linebackers are solid. They brought in Dan Scuda. Telvin Smith played well, and then Paul Pazlesny pretty decent. And then secondary is getting a little better as well. You know, Jonathan Cyprian. Hopefully he can be a pretty good safety. Dwayne Gratt's not bad, and they brought in Devon House uh, in free agency. What do you think about those Jags, those cardiac cats?
Yeah, I think you summed them up really well. Um, it's it's going to be do or die time eventually, and I mean, not to not to rehash your argument, you know, I'm, I'm just going to highlight it. Um, I, the few interesting things I'm really interested to see, few things I'm really interested to see, I should say. Uh, one, the offensive line. Are they going to be more of a power unit, or are they going to be more of a zone unit? Um, they acquired AJ Can in the draft, which would tend to indicate that they're going to be more of a power unit. Brandon Linder at right guard is more of a power player. Uh, but then again, they also signed Steven Wisniewski and Jeremy Parnell. And those two guys are, you know, a little bit more toward the zone aspect. So it's a really interesting unit. Obviously, they could use a, a mixture of both. I think TJ Yeldon is more of a zone type runner uh, than a power type runner. But honestly, I could see him excelling in both. So maybe, and I should say maybe producing in both, maybe not excelling in both. I don't think he's going to be a star, but I think he's a good fit there. Overall, I think it all really comes down to Blake Bortles and can he reduce the variance in his play? Because there were times where he was Tim Tebow-ish where he would drop the ball as low as his hip before he threw the ball, and it's just way too much time for the defenders to react. You simply can't do that. However, there's also times where he manipulated safeties, moved them across the field, and delivered a beautiful ball downfield. So I think he's got the talent. It's just can he take what he's learning off the field and reproduce it when the bullets are flying? And I don't know... I don't know the answer to that. Um, defensively, the loss of Dante Fowler is huge, and that's going to really hurt this team. It's not going to. It's not going to be a huge, at least, um, a huge predictor of what they're going to do this year, because ultimately, I think that you know, if your season comes down to a rookie pass rusher or not, I, I just don't think that's realistic to to sit there and expect a rookie to make that big of an impact. Um, but overall, it's a decent unit. It lacks impact players. Jared Odrick's nice. Sean Derek Marks is great. Telvin Smith is a very, very intriguing. Um, but there's not really playmakers outside of Marks. So I think this defense is probably a year or two away of a, of a couple strong drafts to, to, you know, find another competent edge player, find a competent cornerback that's an impact player, and maybe even a safety that's an impact player. Um, Although they're hopeful on James Sample, uh, I'm not sold that he's going to be a good free safety. Uh, he, he didn't play it in college, so um, it's an interesting team. Ultimately, I think this is another four or five win season for them. I, I just, I, I just, I can't put my trust into this this team because they're going to be playing from behind a lot, and that means Bortles is going to have to do a lot more than what he really should be asked to do. Um, so that's that's really two teams that that are going to get beat up a lot in that division, which sets up nicely for our next team, the Houston Texans. Uh, what are your thoughts on the Houston Texans entering this season? Well, before I talk about Houston, I just want to quick give my win total for Jacksonville. Um, I picked them to go seven and nine last year because I was mm-hmm. real high on them. Obviously, that didn't pan out, so I'm going to go. A little less than that this year. I'm going to go six wins. I'm going to say six and ten for the Jaguars, and 
hopefully they finally start to pull it together. Uh, as as for Houston, really one of the surprises of last season, you know, to go from two and fourteen in 2013 and having the number one pick to going nine and seven last year and under Coach Bill O'Brien in his first year. By the way, again, go Penn State, go Bill O'Brien. Uh, even though he was only there two years, but go Bill O'Brien. <laughs> um, and the amazing thing is they did this with barely anything at quarterback, mediocre right. at best. Right. That was the impressive thing about the Texans in 2014 was the fact that they won nine games and were in the playoff hunt basically the entire. They didn't. They weren't eliminated from the playoffs until the last week of the season. And they did this with a guy like Ryan Fitzpatrick at quarterback. Not much better in 2015, though. You're talking the dynamic duo of Brian Hoyer and Ryan Mallett. Yeah. You know, whoop-de-doo, sound the, you know, stop the presses. Here comes Ryan Mallett, Mr. Uh, sitting behind Tom Brady, and you look good in one preseason game. Now, admittedly, I, I watched a couple preseason games, and I thought, oh, he's a pretty decent quarterback, but eh, he has the arm strength, but that's about it. And in this offense, in this division, that's not quite going to get it done. Uh, the nice thing, though, for Houston is hopefully Jadevian Clowney is back healthy you know, after having microfracture surgery. Uh, the Vince Wilfork signing I thought was real nice. You know, he, he, he's obviously not strong against the pass but he's still real good against the run. Mm -hmm. And that's going to be key in this division when you're up against guys like Frank Gore and TJ Yeldon, even Bishop Sankey. You know, and I think more importantly, Will Fork is going to take a little bit of pressure off of J.J. Watt. Not that J.J. Watt doesn't need pressure taken off of him. Right. Christ, oh my, geez, I mean, my goodness, you can put, excuse my language, sorry. You could put 11 guys on J.J. Watt, and he'll probably still get to the quarterback. So, but Will Fork will probably take that away, you know, and then at least Will Fork is a little bit of a stop, or a little bit of a bridge to when Lewis Nix comes back from injury. And even when he comes back from injury, I think he can slot in nice in the middle of that defense. Um... And then the, the linebackers are still pretty good. You know, Brian Cushing still a solid back, or solid backer. Whitney Merciless, uh, Bernardrick McKinney could have imme could show immediate impact uh, in the middle of that defense. You know, that that was an interesting pick in round two. Uh, but the big question is in the secondary. And, you know, I feel like a broken record. I always talk about these secondaries, but it's it's amazing seeing how many of these teams have secondary problems, specifically at the strong safety position. You know, is it a guy like Eddie Pleasant? Will it be Stevie Brown? You know, uh, or it could be a guy that I'm sure you followed a lot in college in Curtis Drummond. You know, so where's the production going to be in the middle of the secondary? The corners are obviously really good. You know, Jonathan Joseph is still good. Kareem Jackson good. And then they took Kevin Johnson in the... Uh, in the first round of the draft. So overall, this is an intriguing team, uh, but it just all comes back to that 
quarterback play and how average at best it's going to be, unfortunately, for the Texans. And that could be one of the reasons why if if, if they miss the playoffs, that's going to be the reason why is because of poor quarterback play. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. And let me ask you this, though. Who do you choose between Mallet and Hoyer? Oh, God. <laughs> I'm sorry for the nightmare. I know. That. It's like, I don't even know how to compare that. Um, I think they're going to end up giving it to Mallet. You know, I, I mean, both obviously have the New England connection. You know, both were with the Patriots when O'Brien was there. But Houston did trade for Mallet last season, so I guess I kind of feel they kind of want to stick with Mallet just to see what they have in him just because they got him in a trade, you know, while Hoyer was just a free agent pickup. Now, Hoyer wasn't bad in Cleveland. I, I think he got a little bit of a bad rap, but I, I like I said, I think they're going to lean toward Mallet, but it's it's hard to really feel too good about either option, especially when the receiving options aren't exactly the greatest now with the loss of Andre Johnson. Now, outside of DeAndre Hopkins, obviously, but... Yeah. Yeah, no, it's interesting, and I wanted to ask, because I think that I think that's, the, I think that's what they end up doing, too. Um, ultimately... Hoyer is see I'm I'm pretty anti Hoyer. I was I was really unimpressed with what he did and what concerns me about his upside is where does he get better? And I think with at least I think with at least Mallet you can say we're not trying to be average, we're trying to be better. And I think that's something unique that, that, you know, Mallet doesn't have that floor that, that Hoyer has where Hoyer, you know, he's not going to be atrocious. You know, you, you can expect, you can kind of expect his performances. The question is, can you be a Super Bowl contender with him? I don't think that you can. And I think that's the big difference. I think ultimately that's what Bill O'Brien's going to, going to look at. And I think he's going to say, well, at least with Mallet, if he comes out here and he does something crazy, you know, that's going to be great for us. Um, I think they end up going that direction just because of the upside, the potential upside of the of the uh, of that right. of that decision. Yeah, so, I think I agree with there that he does offer a little more upside. And other than that, though, I, I, I do like this roster a lot. I really do. I think this defense could be a top five unit in the NFL. Um, and it all starts up front in that front seven. J.J. Watt, Vince Wilfork. Um, if Jadavion Clowney can even be like a good pass rusher and not necessarily number one overall type player, um, that would still be enormous mm-hmm. for this defense. They just need that secondary rusher and Whitney Merciless was good last year. But I think if I think the difference between Merciless and Clowney will be obvious if Clowney is, is pretty healthy, if not fully healthy, if he's fully healthy, watch out because this is going to be an electric unit. Mm -hmm. 
the secondary is really good. Uh, like you said, there's questions at that one safety spot, but Raheem Moore is pretty good. Kareem Jackson, Kevin Johnson, and Jonathan Joseph is one of the top trios of cornerbacks in the NFL. And, and I know Johnson hasn't taken a snap yet in the NFL, but that's, that's kind of, to me, what really says a lot about the other two cornerbacks is that they're already one of the top duos and a rookie like that's that's as talented as Johnson should be able to come in right away um, and impact this team because he already has a fit. So you've got Kevin Johnson outside and you have Kareem Jackson inside. It's just, it's literally a perfect fit for how they, how they work their defense. So it's, it's an exciting, uh, it's an exciting team offensively. They're just going to have to do enough to get by unless if Malik can really come in and light things up. Um, I think this team hits eight wins again. I think they hit nine last year. I think they hit eight this year. Ultimately, uh, you know, the schedule gets a little bit tougher after a nine-win season, and I'm not, I'm still obviously quite huge question at quarterback, and I I think that ultimately caps their win limit at probably in that eight or nine range. Right. Um, I think they get eight. I don't think they win the, the wild card or anything like that, but. Um, where do you have them at the end of the day? Yeah, I'll I'll say nine and seven. I'd say they'll probably be about similar to where they were last year. Probably won't make the playoffs again because of the quarterback situation, but I'll say they stay even with last year and win nine games. So uh, I guess that leaves us with one more team for tonight. It does. And that leaves us with uh, last year's AFC runner-up in the Indianapolis Colts, a team that uh, has been creeping ever so closer to the Super Bowl. Uh, Luck's first year losing the wild card. Luck's second year losing the division round. Luck's third year AFC championship. So could this be the year? Who knows? They obviously went out and really picked up some good players in free agency. Uh... You know, like like we talked about with Sick a couple weeks ago, almost like a Miami reunion. You know, Frank Gore's in town, Andre Johnson's in town, uh, Coach Rob Chudzinski. So, it, I, I'm really intrigued by this team, specifically the offense. I'm really curious how Philip Dorsett enters this enters uh, this offense, at least year one. But uh, it's it's an off- offense you really have to love, you know. And again, we we mentioned a couple weeks ago. We talked with Sig. We're basically in love with this offense because there's just so many potential playmakers on this team. You know, Andre Johnson is f- again going to have good quarterback play. You know, he, he had decent quarterback play when he had Matt Shaw, but without a doubt, this is going to be the best quarterback he's ever had in his career, uh, and especially playing opposite guys like Dante Moncrief, T.Y. Hilton, Dwayne Allen, Kobe Fleener. This is going to be an exciting offense, I think. Uh, offensive line is okay, not great. Costanzo uh, is a pretty good left tackle. They brought in Todd Harriman's in free agency, who's been in, he, he's been a so-so guard. 
the last couple of years. He obviously spent time at tackle uh, before the Eagles drafted Lane Johnson, allowing Harriman to move back to guard, which was more of a natural position for him. Uh, but o overall, this is going to be a good offense. Defense was always a weak point for this team, though, the last couple of years. The hope for them is that Trent Cole comes in and provides, continues to provide pass rush like he did with the Eagles. Uh, they hope that Robert Mathis is back healthy. Uh, and then, you know, they drafted Henry Anderson in the third round, who for some reason is still unsigned. I, you know, it was amazing that we had a first rounder last this long without being signed. It's even more amazing that, uh, Day two and three draft picks are still unsigned at this point. Usually those contracts should be the easiest to sign because there's really no, there shouldn't be that much language to discuss. But they'll sign soon. So you have Henry Anderson. Um, and overall, I think the defense did improve. So this this is going to be an interesting team, I think. I, I think this is definitely one of the contenders. Not just... I mean, obviously, I think they're going to run away with this division, and I think they're definitely a contender in the AFC. Yeah, absolutely. And it helps, too, that they basically have a free ride to the division title. And so hopefully that'll allow them to save Andre Johnson a little bit, although I think I'm really optimistic about him, his production uh, with the Colts. I thought he was still really good last year with the Texans. Still um, 85 passes. Right, and he's going to go to a higher volume passing team mm -hmm. with a much better quarterback that's going to be able to do things that he's never had before. So, the you know, even though he might be there for only a couple of years, I think the future's still bright on Andre Johnson. But more importantly, Frank Gore, I think he's going to be really key for this team in the playoffs. So they're going to have to be able to manage his snaps, keep him fresh, and hopefully extend his career another year or two. Uh, otherwise, I mean, this this is a, a backfield that really lacks talent outside of outside of he and and I, I like Josh Robinson as well. But overall, it's just not very a dynamic backfield besides Gore. Um, offensively, I don't think they're going to have any problems. I think their offensive line is fine. Um, two great tight ends, Dwayne Allen and Kobe Fleener. Defensively, that's that's really where all your questions are. And can they even be an average unit, I think, is a fair question. Monte Davis is a good cornerback. Um, Robert Mathis's return from injury and suspension is going to loom large over this team's outlook. Obviously, the last time we saw him was 19 sacks type production, but I, I really doubt he's going to come back at that type of level. Can Trent Cole another older starter on this defense um, at 32, soon to be 33 years old, bring much to the table. I mean, he was a fourth rusher in Philadelphia last year. So, you know, is he ready, ready to be a number one rusher for the Colts? That's it's a big jump in responsibility. And, and honestly, physically, I don't know if he has it left in him. So this is a team. I think they're, I think they're obviously Super Bowl contenders. However, it's a very deeply flawed roster. I think, especially just looking at the defensive side, looking at the depth on offense. They don't have much depth. 
uh, a starter here and there goes down. And I think this is a team that, that will struggle to even compete in the playoffs. Um, and I, I really think we saw that against the Patriots last year in the AFC title game. They just got destroyed when they faced a really good team. Um, that's kind of been the MO for the Colts under Andrew Luck, and that's not Luck's fault. Uh, Ryan Grigson just hasn't really built a deep or overly talented roster. Like, like I said, the offense is really good, but you know, the defense leaves a lot to be desired. And ultimately, you've got to have a good defense to win championships in the NFL. But I do think this team easily wins the division. I think they get 11 or 12 wins. Um, they've basically got five, maybe six guaranteed wins in the division. So that's going to go a long ways, and they basically have to go five or go five and one or six and zero oh in the division, then basically go five hundred the rest of the way. They're out, and they're going to have a great record. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree. I'll 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 say twelve wins as well. Uh, again, like we like you mentioned, it's basically a free ride to the division title because none of the other teams are even close as far as talent level to the Colts. Uh, and with that, that brings us to the end of the AFC South. That means we're halfway done already. We covered 16 teams. We've got 16 to go. We will talk about the North divisions next week, and those will definitely be fun, fun to talk about. I think you're talking two of the best divisions, maybe possibly the two best divisions entering the 2015 season in the AFC North and the NFC North. So that's next week. Uh, any final words for our listeners before we head out tonight? Um, I am going to be moving to Virginia next week. So if you are in the Virginia area and ever want to grab a beer or something, just let me know. All right. Best of luck with your move, buddy. And I look forward to talking to you again next week. All right. Sounds good, man. So for my buddy Ian, I am Bill Rossetti. Thanks for listening, and we will see you next week right here on the Gridiron Graduates. Until then, take care.